Jesus, who's real for his father's heart, who's given his foot over to the east of 
the final glory of Jesus, a physical manifestation of the glory of God, thrown in front of Paul, knocked him off his donkey. But in the midst of the drama, I want you to see this moment for Paul, the midst of the blinding light and the glory, the tender mercy of Jesus, and how he reveals himself in this moment, terrorizing his people. It's amazing how dramatic Paul's testimony is. And then, violent persecutor of the church, were humble servant, and eventual martyr for the church. So, a really dramatic and great story, but the narrative of the text is so simple. He's guessing, life is going out with a lightning bolt. He doesn't argue with him from the scriptures with Jewish scholars. He doesn't tear him down with like a pitiful speech for him. In four verses, he just shows himself to Paul. I see the repetition of Jesus' words in verse 7, Saul, Saul, the repetition of the church of Jesus. Saul, why are you persecuting me? Jesus uses Saul as a Hebrew name. Saul was a Jew and also a Roman citizen. He was known by Saul, the Hebrew name. Paul, the Greek name. Jesus uses a Hebrew name as Joseph. You, Paul, you are mine. I know you, you're one of my people. Why are you persecuting me? You see the tenderness of Jesus in this moment. This is what happens when we're saved. Jesus sees us as we really are. And he reveals himself to us as he really is. And he's saying this. We're not all in darkness and in the good light. We who were once born and now made alive by the Spirit, we who were blind can now see. We who were made alive and blind, a glorious indulgence of God's Spirit. Don't miss this. If you're a Christian, I don't care how humility your testimony is. Meditate on the mercy and miracle of Jesus' saving work in your life. If you think that you or someone you love, it's too far gone to be afraid that Paul has to be, too deep in sin, or too opposed to Jesus. Remember Paul. Read his testimony. Read his testimony in First Timothy. Read his testimony in other words, where the Christians, uh, and Paul found out a really hard time believing that this guy had gotten So he wrote it a lot. And it's one of the only reasons that Luke wrote the book of Acts. He's a Christian. The Jesus Christ reveals himself to Paul. Paul in verse 5 says, Who are you, Lord? Jesus responds, I am Jesus, and you are persecuted. The rise and enter the city, and you will be told that you are here. So, having emphasized to the people that Paul was paralyzed, and they um, this is a fear that is filled with the words that Paul was doing. Let's take a moment to emphasize with Paul. And how he must have heard those words from Jesus when he was persecuted. Saul was a Jew, not just a Jew, but a Pharisee. The Pharisees were experts at the laws of God. And they spent their time interpreting and applying the laws of God to realize situations. And this is great because the Pharisees never sent the Jews. Spent all their time in the temple, conducting temple worship, and really sort of cordoned off of this priestly path. 
so I wanted to work with the Pharisees today to interpret the laws of Moses. We really need to do a place more accessible to all the Jews. But this is the interpretation of the laws that are written down in what would be called the Psalmary. This is generally helpful, I think, for the way we think accessible to all the Jews, the ways that were under the Pharisees. The Psalmary will become 10 million words. Ten million words of interpretation and application of God's law. The Torah that they were interpreting is about 10,000 words for perspective. Roughly 600 commandments for God. They can move to a 10 million, 38 volumes book. Not only that, they also gave the interpretation of the law to send authority in some way. It's a lot of God's goodness that's on the outside of life. And we were zealous in holding people accountable to the familiar words and persecuting people who did not follow them. Saul studied under a man named Jim Leo. You may remember Jim Leo, maybe not, from Acts chapter 5. Jim Leo was a well known Jewish leader. He was part of a member of the Sanhedrin, which was the highest Jewish court, which was the name Jesus and cried out for Barabbas and came to Jesus when he was crucified. This is Saul's mentor in the law. The Bible will say that in Acts 5, as the disciples are before the Jewish leaders making their case. The Bible will say that in Acts 5, this is that we see this before. Someone comes along, claims to be the Messiah, a few hundred people follow him, the guy gets killed, and the followers disperse. This is what is right. If you can't settle out of this, that's just from God. If that's just from God, you can't stand against it. Saul actually goes beyond Samuel's messenger. He goes beyond his mentor and begins zealously persecuting the church. Here's what Saul had to say about his resume in Acts 26. My manner of life from my youth, since from the beginning of my own nation in Jerusalem, is known by all the Jews. They have known for a long time that they're willing to testify, but according to the strictest part of our religion, the of the and he said to them, Well, the Isaiah prophesied in the hypocrites. As it is written, people honor me with their lips, but the heart is far from me. In vain they worship me, teaching and talking for the commandments of men. In many words. He knew the commandment of God as told to the tradition of men. And he said to them, You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. The sermon of Stephen preached uh, before the Council of God in Spain is a highlight reel from the Old Testament in front of the Jewish Council about how the Jewish leaders over and over and over again rejected God, rejected the prophets that he had sent to them. You stiff necked people, uncircumcised in heart and years. You always resist the Holy Spirit, as your fathers do, so you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And you killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one. Do you acknowledge afraid and murdered? Do you receive the laws within the Jesus? Do not do it. Saul was one of God's chosen. His covenant people, his set apart nation. He was a Jew, he was a Hebrew, he had Hebrews, a Pharisee of Pharisees. 
he had missed it. He had missed it all. So imagine how Paul must have felt when his glorious life in heaven that was going around him and his way to the master to persecute the church was finally seen Jesus. He knew a persecutor. You know, that's just one decision. Paul must have felt in that moment. It's humiliation. He was wrong about everything. He really jealously, murderously wrong. The rest of the passage is about Zenatus, this guy who had become a Christian, who Jesus called to go to Saul and restore the sight, filling with the Holy Spirit, which was looking to go on and be Jesus' witnesses, witness to the Gentiles. Zenatus had received a vision from Jesus, go and restore Saul's sight. And he responds out of the same fear that had fallen on Jerusalem. Now, I know this guy, Saul. I've heard about him. And he's saying, you're close to Jerusalem. And he was terrified of his ass and says, Saul is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name to the Gentiles. So we don't get much of this passage about how he was in that moment. But we see how he responds. He certainly could have responded by throwing the day. I sort of sad, jealous of things that they made God show mercy to these rebellious people. But instead he goes, he lays his hand on this woman. He sees brighter sad. Do you see the tenderness? The same tender mercy that Jesus extended us all. You see the Holy Spirit at work through Jesus, and now through Jesus' people. As he is sending his mercy to Saul, and he will send out to take his same message of mercy to the Gentiles. This is the book of Acts. It's the continuation of the work of the Holy Spirit that is starting with Jesus in each gospel. God carried on in his people. Saul receives his sight. He gets baptized. And he goes on to write a third of the New Testament that suffered much for the name of Jesus. And it's one of the Ephesians follow these words, many of which we um some of the others with you this morning. This is Paul, and it is persecuted next to us. We are all God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared before him that we should walk in them. Later in therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one knowledge, Father of all. Who is over all and through all and in all. We are God's workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus to good works. If we start this new year, it is going to be a good work of service. We've got a new building in the works to put you, to become new neighbors. We've got lots of kids to raise together. We've got 
most of the way to the next year. This work will require real humility. Saul ran out of the Holy Spirit kind of humility. We don't need a humility word of power. But we've got to avoid the healthy discipline of how can we do a system in great terms? How can we do a system in great body? How can we do a system in how to block five and other side of the world? How can we do a system in how to do a lot of other side of the How can we do a system that submits to the tyrannical government management to wear a mask in public? How can we do a system that rejects the standards of pandemics and other public gatherings? There's a lot of hard work in front of us, a lot of good work in front of us. It requires humility. It's going to require us to keep talking openly about politics, to keep talking openly about our experiences with racial injustice, social unrest, and by how we do church in the midst of the global pandemic. We've got to continue to interact with other communities, show our neighbors what a reconciled people look like. It's a real commitment to do the hard work, not cancel each other, to disagree well, to lay ourselves down for one another, and spur one another on to love and do work. So we'll get together, forgive, to forbear, to bring to one another that all of us, all of us, can bring to God's care. So let's be present in the community and all the good work that God has in front of some of those rest. With special eyes on Jesus, remember this tender mercy for us. We commit to this long road of doing the good work that He's prepared for us together. This is the way. We have God's living word. We have the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. We have each other. It's not easy, but it is so, so good. This is why Jesus came. He came to make a way for hostile people to be brought into the glorious world that He is doing through the Holy Spirit. We remember that every week as we take communion. We remember what it calls Jesus to bring us into this good world. Because His blood spilled for us on the cross and His body broke for us. Let me pray for a moment. We thank you for your tender mercy on Saul. We thank you for your long suffering with him. And the way you've been in the past of your long suffering, your patience, your grace, and your mercy for us.